0: you're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Well, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, I've been looking forward to today. I'm going to drink some water real quick. I brought a bottle because I'll probably need more than just a cup. Uh, We'll see how it goes, though. Um, If you would, take your Bibles go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm excited to be here this morning, excited to preach. Um, I'm always honored to be able to be up here and uh, present God's word to his people. I don't take that lightly. Um, Something I I look forward to doing, enjoy doing, uh, mostly because the Lord speaks to me before I even get to stand up here. So, God always changes something about me every time I get a chance to preach, which I need. So, I always look forward to those opportunities and those moments. Um, We're just going to read one verse, so if you'll stand with me, I'll get your standing out of the way, and then you can sit back down and uh, settle in for a little bit. Uh, Not that you'll sleep, but you can sit. So, okay, thank you for that, that's right. Uh, Romans chapter 8, we're just going to read verse number 18. Um, and it's funny, it's not funny. It's, it's the Holy Spirit, how God lines up things. But the song Brother Samuel sang, um, it, it lines up pretty well with a lot of things we'll say this morning. Uh, but Romans chapter 8, verse number 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall re- be revealed in us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for this church. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for your people that have come today to worship you, to glorify you, to hear your word preached and taught, uh, to hear truth sang about who you are. Lord, I pray that uh, you'll give them a special blessing for taking the time and the effort to to make an effort to be here. Lord, I pray that you'll change our hearts today, that you'll comfort us, that you'll show us you, that we'll see the truth that you show us in your word, and how we can make our lives better and become more like you because of it. Lord, thank you for the visitors and guests that we have here this morning. Lord, I pray that they'll feel welcomed um, and blessed by what your word says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So you keep your Bible and get all comfy, but uh, keep your Bible handy because I will have you go into a few different places later here this morning. Um, But uh, that's a very comforting verse, right? To understand that the sufferings that we go through today are not worthy to be compared to the glory that uh, will be revealed in us someday. And for God's people, we all know that. It's not anything new, but uh, life, life is tough, isn't it? Isn't it? Life is difficult. Life, uh, go, there's tough times that come to us in our life because that's what life is. And you know, I'm blessed enough to know a lot of you, and I know some struggles that a lot of you are going through. I don't know all of the struggles you're going through, and some of you, I don't know anything that you might be suffering today. But almost guaranteed statement that every person that's in this room is struggling through something suffering through something because we live on earth we live on a sin cursed earth and we have a sin cursed body and a sin cursed nature um, and the kingdom is not the Lord's yet we're getting there and we're building it that way but uh, it's, it's, life is tough life is hard and it's, uh, it, it can be a difficult thing to get through and here we are starting off really depressing, I know. But I promise you, hopefully, if, if, uh, if I do what I think the Lord wants me to do, that will change by the end of the service this morning. Uh, but you think about Christmas time, right? Christmas time is over. It's 300 and some days away uh, for this year. But Christmas time is over. And a lot of times, January is a very, huh, month. I don't know words to use, so I just say, huh, because I think that expresses what we feel for January. It's, for us in South Dakota, it's cold. There's snow on the ground, although it's been much warmer than it has been in the past few, few Januaries, but still, it's cold. It's depressing, it gets dark early. Uh, when the snow is nice and white, it's great, but then you drive on it and it's brown and gross, and it makes your car dirty, and it's just bleh. And it's cold and your skin gets dry. Right, And then you remember, oh yeah, Christmas was like, what, two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Two weeks back into normal life. You had to go back to work. Your days off were over. And now you're probably not feeling very well because most people are kind of sick. And so you're working sick. You come home and you can't sleep because you're sick. And then the kids wake up in the middle of the night because they're sick. And then the dog, it's just, it's the dog, so it bothers you too. Uh, and life is just—it's—it's it's normal again. It's not Christmas time and holidays and oh, a family. A family went back home, and it gets depressing. And you realize, and you kind of start to focus on the negative things in your life. And you realize, man, life is hard, and we all are suffering. And you think, well, I'm suffering in ways that other people don't even know, and that's true. And other people are suffering in ways that you can't even comprehend. And, you know, even during the Christmas time and the fun times, people were suffering. People were sick. Some people, some people didn't even get Christmas. Like, they had all these plans and it just didn't happen. Because people were sick. Things, things went right. All these flights are getting canceled. I mean, bleh, right? It's just, it's, what's going on? It's just bad. It's just bleh. It's depressing. And it can be really bleh. And we go through feelings. And we go have those times in our life. And it may be things that have lasted for a long time. It may be something new that just came up. But we all go through tough times in life. We all have sufferings. Depression, anxiety, loss. Loss of someone you love. Loss of a family member. Loss of a loved one. Failure in your own life. Someone failed you. Hurt. Someone might have hurt you with things that they've said, things that they've done. The way that they're living. Hurt. Persecutions. Right, We live in a America and still one of the most free areas we can live for, for the Lord and for Christianity. But there are people all over the world being cru- cru- persecuted for doing what we're doing right now. For just having a Bible open and preaching truth. They're being persecuted for that. And maybe you're persecuted at your job. There's unfairness in our life. There's lack of answers that we really want or really need. Answers that we must have and they just aren't there. And you don't know what to do. Loss. Misunderstood. We're misunderstood. There's fear. There's anger. Hate. Suffering. This world is a scary, scary place. Depressing place to be. And as we get through Romans chapter 8 here, this kind of verse 18 is a conclusion that Paul comes to talking about sufferings and talking about sin. That brings that suffering. And it's a conclusion he comes to here in verse number 18. It's kind of like those those stories in those movies that they give you the end. And then they go all the way back to the beginning and tell you how we got there. That's kind of what we're going to do today. But Paul says in verse 18, we'll read it again. says, for I reckon, which just means I consider, I understand that the sufferings of this present time. And there are sufferings. But they are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be. Revealed in us. So, as God's people, as Christians that call Him their Father, yes, there are tough times. God doesn't take those away because, again, we live in a sin cursed world, but there's something to look forward to. So, let's go back to what starts it all, though sin. Sin brings suffering, sin is the cause of suffering. Without sin, we'd have no suffering. If this earth had no sin, if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned back in the Garden of Eden, this earth, we would have no suffering. It would be exactly the way God wanted it to be, his creation to be. It would be perfect, be exactly the way he wanted it, and no sin would exist. However, that's not what we have. We have a, 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 a planet cursed by sin itself. The Bible says the planet in all creation groans because of the travail that it's under, the sin that is here. And the problem is, sin is always going to be a problem. As long as we're here on this earth, sin will always be a problem. It'll be a problem in the world, if we point out there in the world, but it'll always be a problem in us as Christians, too. Sin will always be something we struggle with. And suffering is always going to be part of life here on earth. Awesome, right? How exciting and encouraging. Suffering will always be a part of life. Sometimes suffering is self-inflicted, though, isn't it? Mm, We don't want to talk about those those sufferings. But sometimes we suffer because we do the wrong thing. Sometimes we suffer because we disobey God. Sometimes we suffer because we don't take the, the truth in the, in the Bible and we don't follow it. We do our own thing. We go our own way. And that leads to suffering because when you don't follow God, it always ends badly. Right. Usually in death, right? That's what sin brings us. But sometimes that suffering is thrust upon us. Sometimes we're gone, we've, we are thrust through a trial. We didn't do anything to, to bring on ourselves. We didn't do anything to bring sickness. We didn't do anything to bring whatever the trial may be and the suffering is. It just, it's there. And we ask, well, why, why am I suffering for this? I didn't do anything. I've been trying to do everything I'm supposed to. And here I am still suffering. Why? And we ask those questions in our darkest hours in the middle of the night when there are no answers and there is no relief. Why? And we have to understand, again, they're not worthy to be compared to what's coming. But the sufferings that we do go through, they don't just come for no reason. They come because God wants to grow you. God wants to increase your faith in him. God wants to show himself evident in your life because he wants you to understand you, you need him. You can't get through the sufferings on your own. You can't just tough it out and just make it happen and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and we'll get through this together. No, you need the Lord. And the Lord wants you to need him. The Lord wants you to rely on him. And the Lord wants to help you through those things. You don't have to power through under all your strength. He wants to guide you through with his strength. So sufferings sometimes come because they want to, he wants to grow you. He wants to prove you. He wants to strengthen your faith. Go back up to verse number 5 here in Romans chapter 8. Verse number 5. We're going to read a couple of verses here. So follow along. This has to do with our sin problem which leads to our suffering. It says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means it's not just an enemy of God, it's fighting actively against God. Carnality, the carnal mind, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not seen the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So the Bible here tells us that flesh Sin, carnality, the carnal mind, the things of this earth, they all end in death. They all end in suffering. They are in direct opposition of God himself. So when you look around this world and you see all the suffering and the bad things that happen and the degradation of just society, we can understand as Christians the reason the world is heading that direction is because it lives for itself. People live for themselves. We live for our flesh. We live for what our way is. And when we go our way, it always leads to destruction. Every single time, it leads to destruction when we decide to do our own thing. And we look at the world around us and that's what the world does. It lives its way. It lives its truth, the way it wants to, the way it believes is right. And it always ends in suffering. It always ends in destruction. The problem is with us as Christians, we don't have to live that way anymore. We are freed from sin. The, what the Lord has done for us has freed us from that bondage But we sometimes go right back to it and still live that way. And we live in the carnal mind. We live after the flesh. We live for our way. We trust the Lord in his way to get us to heaven and his salvation. But then we live this life on this earth in our way because we think we got it figured out. And sometimes that brings suffering. Sometimes when suffering comes and you're living that way, you feel lost. You feel as if there are no answers. We think that what I think is best is what's going to be the best. Problem is, that's not the case. Let's go to verse number 10. It says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, think about that statement. Don't just gloss over it. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. By his spirit that dwelleth in you. So the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, once you got saved, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. He's the one that raised Jesus' body from the dead. Raised someone dead from the dead to be alive forever and conquered death. That same power is in you right now. But instead of relying on that power and living with the power, we kind of set it off to the side and go after our own way and live our own way. Go after the flesh. And it's a problem we always will struggle with. But you don't have to live that way. We're no longer debtors to the flesh. Right? We are no longer bound by the flesh. Because of why? Go to number verse 14. And this is where it starts to turn a little bit and get a little bit better. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the what? Sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear... But he have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. That we are, what? The children of God. And if children, then what? Heirs. Heirs of God. And what joint heirs with Christ? If so be that we suffer with him. That we may also be glorified together. So, Once you're saved, once you accept what the Lord has done for you, his death, his burial, his resurrection, to cover your sin, to save you from eternity in hell, and you put your faith in him, you are now a son of God. And when you're a son of God, you're adopted into his family. That means legally he has adopted you. You're not just a blood relative, you're also adopted. And if you do, like in our world, the legal works, adoptions, adopted children sometimes have more more rights than even blood children do. So we are, we're born again into his family, we're adopted into his family, and then we're heirs. Heirs of God. Do you understand anybody here an heir? We're all heirs to somebody. Does anybody have like a king? That you're an heir to the king? You're an heir to the throne somewhere? Somewhere over in some small country in Europe, you are a, an unknown heir to the throne of, you know, the small country of, uh, uh, nothing, I got nothing, Sorry thought something would come. The only thing that came to my mind was my name. And that's, well, who says that? The country, even though there was a country named after me, <laughs> to say. I mean, I'm not to say who was around first, but there's a country out there called Chad. So, you know, talk to me when you have a country. Um, but we are heirs. <laughs> we are all heirs of God. And, the, and the, the, the gravity that comes with that statement, and I mean, I've read this dozens and scores of times. But do you understand what that means? Do you understand what it means to be an heir of God? And not just an heir of God, we are joint heirs with Christ. God's only begotten son, we are joint heirs with him. Joint, that means side by side. We we are worthy of the the inheritance that Christ gets. You are. If you're saved, you are a joint heir with Christ. What he inherits, you inherit. And we're going to look at that here in a little bit. But if we suffer like he did, right, which none of us have suffered like him. In our toughest, most difficult trial, the things that went through your mind when we talked about suffering here at the beginning, and when Brother Samuel was singing, the things that you were thinking about, none of those compare to the suffering that Jesus went through in in a few days as he was led to be crucified. None of us have gone through that suffering. But when we experience that the similar suffering, we also get glorified with him. So that word heirs there, that word heirs means sharer by lot or inheritor, possessor. And we have to understand one thing. We're not heirs because of us. Right? And this is what salvation, we have to understand for salvation too. We're not heirs because of anything I've done. I'm not an heir because of my merit. I'm not an heir because of who I am. I'm an heir because of my last name. I have no, no, no claim to any heir of God on my own because I'm nothing. But... It's not purchased, it's not earned, it's strictly and exclusively because of the act of God. God alone makes heirs. Right? We're not born into it. We aren't earned it. We can't buy it. He makes heirs. He makes heirs by our putting our faith in what he has done. And by his work, we then become heirs. I'm going to read a couple verses here in Galatians. um, Galatians chapter 4, verse number 1 and 2. And so we understand this is where we are in our mind. We are heirs of God. Okay, if you're saved, if you put your faith in Christ for your salvation, you're now part of the family, you're an heir of his. Okay, so that means you've got an inheritance coming. Okay, so that's that's where our mind's gonna be right now. So Galatians chapter four, verses one and two. It says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all but as under tutors and governors until the, uh, until the time appointed by the Father. So we are heirs, right? Heirs of God, children, sons of God. We are heirs, joint heirs with Christ. But like it says here in Galatians, heirs that are children, they, they don't just be like, all right, I'm heir to the kingdom. Give it all to me. I get it all now, right? Children, you can't just, they, don't, they aren't able to do that. They still have a lot to learn. They're, they're ruled by tutors and governors until the time appointed by the Father when they then receive the inheritance. So we are those heirs right now. That is our standing on this earth. Our standing on this earth is, is heirs, yes, heirs to the throne, heirs to eternity, heirs to everything that God has for us. But while we're here on this earth, we have a lot to learn. And this time here on this earth, um, sufferings are going to come. And they're to teach us, they're to grow us, they're to prepare us for the inheritance that is to come. So our time here on this earth as Christians is to be spent, not just living life for me, making my bank account as big as I can, being happy as I can. There's nothing wrong with those things, but that's not the point of life for Christians on earth. The point of life for Christians on earth is to make more heirs, to introduce more people to the Lord, and to grow and to live for him and to learn And to become more like Him. Our goal, the Father's goal for us, is to become more like His Son, to become more like Christ. And if we're living for self, that's exactly opposite of how Jesus lived His life. We're supposed to live for others and live for Him. So that's our position here on this earth as heirs. And you know, when you're like, great, I'm an heir, oh, but I don't get anything. "Okay, Okay, so I'm heir in name only right now. You know, it's like, okay, well, that's a little less exciting than you presented it to be. I kind of feel misled, and that's understandable. But understanding the thought that those sufferings, that doesn't take suffering away, does it? It doesn't make suffering even feel better, necessarily. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it should, but if we're gonna be honest with ourselves and how we typically act, we're pretty selfish, even at our best, and uh, knowing we're heirs of the good things to come, but we don't get it now, it doesn't help my suffering today. I won't say that out loud, because that seems uh, very rude, It seems very prideful, but that's what I say here and in here. And I'm guessing you're probably a little bit like me and and we have those thoughts about ourselves. So when it comes to being heirs, the thing that that brings hope, right? That brings happiness, the hope of those heirs, the happiness that those heirs have knowing what's coming is because they know what the inheritance is. They know what the inheritance that they're getting someday is. And so they work hard, so they learn. So they, they, are, they put themselves in subjection to the tutors and governors because they know what's coming. And so they live like heirs, even though they may not have it, they live like it because they know. And I think oftentimes as Christians, we, we forget what our inheritance is. And so we don't live like heirs on earth. We live like spoiled children. We live like what we do what we want. We live the way we think is best. And we don't live like we're heirs of God If somebody came in here that was an heir to the... I mean, well, we probably shouldn't use England at this moment, but um, the heirs are not doing so hot. But uh, the heir to some throne that still exists in this world, we'd all be like, wow, look at... he's royalty. And we would treat him with respect. We'd be in awe of him coming in. And he would present or she would present themselves in a way that you would be like, "They're, they're heir to a throne. They look different. They act different. They carry themselves different. They're just they they are different. They're not like us the you know plebs that just out in the countryside, right? They carry themselves differently. We as Christians are heir to anything greater than any heir to any throne here on this earth could possess. And yet we live like plebes ourselves. We live like selfish, spoiled children. We live for ourselves, even in our best moments. Even on our most selfless acts, oftentimes we think about how it will benefit us. Right. And that's human nature. I'm not like saying, How are you all dirty, rotten sinners, even though we are. We have to know that about ourselves and we should be honest about it. Let's not pretend that we're something we're not. Let's not pretend that we're just pat ourselves on the back. We got it all figured out. No, no. We're rotten. We're sinners. And we act that way often. And it helps to change that if you're honest about it with yourself. If you. Get that mirror out, like the Bible says, and you see where the the, the blemishes are. Don't just throw the mirror over and be like, "Ah, yeah, it's fine. I'll, it's not as bad as someone else. Or it'll be fine. It'll grow away. It'll go away on its own. No, fix it. Get the mirror out. Get the mirror out. Look at where you struggle and fix it. With the Holy Spirit's power and help, fix the things you struggle at. Don't live like spoiled children. So if we're going to be heirs of God and heirs of what everything is, what is our inheritance then? Maybe if we understand what our inheritance is, we'll live differently. We'll behave differently. Uh, let's go to a few. Yeah, you your Bible's ready? Still, still awake? Okay, let's go to Psalm. Psalm chapter 16. Psalm chapter 16, verse number 5. What are we? What is our inheritance? So if we understand our inheritance, maybe we'll start living like we're heirs of God and and present ourselves that way. uh, Psalm 16, verse number five, what's the Bible says? It says, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. Wait a minute. Did you you read that? Do you understand what that says? What does that say? The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. The Lord. The Lord himself, God. Creator of all is part of your inheritance. He Himself is your inheritance. You're like, oh, okay, a person. Th- no, the God, the one and only God, the ruler, the one that you're here for, the one that you claim to come to church to worship, the one that you claim is your Lord, the one that you claim is your Savior, the one that you claim has changed your life. In word, you claim that He's part of your inheritance. He is part of what is coming to you, What is your, what you're going to live with for all eternity. The Lord himself, we're like, well, that's not a treasure chest. No, it is not. It's better. Amen. The Lord is better than any treasure chest. Because if you're thinking it's not a thing, a tangible thing, you're thinking about the present. You're thinking about an inheritance here on earth that's going to buy you uh, a nice car and pay off your house. The Lord doesn't care. I mean, he cares about those things because he cares about you, but he doesn't care about those things. He cares about eternity. He cares about your soul. The Lord is our inheritance. Go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 2. Hebrews 1, uh, chapter 1, verse number 2 says, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Hold on, let's back up here. So we're talking about his son. Who is his son? Jesus. Jesus. God's Son is Jesus. So Jesus, whom he hath appointed heir of what? All things. All things. Jesus is appointed heir of all things. Now, hold on. What did we talk about being heirs with Jesus? What's our relationship in heirs with Jesus? Does everybody remember? Go back to Romans 8, verse number 17. If you still got your finger there, it says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. So if Jesus is heir of all things, everything, He's heir of all things, and we are joint heirs with him. What does that thereby make us? Heirs of everything. Do you understand? God is painting us a picture. He's painting his people a picture of what is to come. Because he's going to compare it, or attempt to compare it, Paul is, to the sufferings we go through today. To the life on this earth. So he says, you're inheriting, you're heir of God, first of all. I mean, just stop there, that's enough. You're part of God's family. We don't deserve that. But not only that, now you're part of his inheritance. You, and you get him as your inheritance. And everything that Jesus gets as his inheritance, as the only begotten Son of the Father, we also are partakers of because we're joint heirs with Christ. Wow. Do you, does that get through? Does that get through here? More likely. Go to Revelation. Revelation. Chapter 21. Everybody doing okay? Good. Having fun? I'm having fun. Revelation chapter 21, verse number seven. Okay. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Now guess who's overcoming all things at the end of time? When sin is defeated, the devil is defeated, death is defeated to rise no more, a new heaven and a new earth. You know who are the people that overcome? His people. God's sons. God's children. They are the overcomers. We are the overcomers. And what do the overcomers inherit? All things. All things. All things. The the importance of that is huge. We overcome through Jesus and we get all things. Go back to verse number 3 of the same chapter. Revelation 21, verse number three. It said, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Remember, the Lord is our inheritance from Psalm. The Lord is part of our inheritance. So now when the new heaven and the new earth come, And you believe that is coming, right? You believe in a new heaven and a new earth? You believe that the planet we are standing on will burn with fire and God will create a new heaven and a new earth that we will live on for all eternity? You believe that? Because that's what the Bible says. Now he says when this new earth and this new heaven are created, God himself will come down and he will live with us. He'll dwell with us. He'll be, he'll, he's our God and he always will be our God, but it says that he will, he will be with us, he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them. I think we lose the, the importance and the significance of the God of all creation, that he will dwell, he will live with you. The Holy Spirit lives with us already, but you will tangibly see the Lord and he will live with you, he will dwell with you, he will be your God and you will be his people. That is eternity. That is what happens when everything is over. That's what happens to God's people. They are his people. They dwell with him. He dwells with us. What's verse number four say? And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Sounds like suffering, doesn't it? So when God is our God and he dwells with us, he himself will end suffering it will no longer exist. So just the absence of negative alone is an inheritance worth having. But then also to have all things on top of that, we're inheritance of everything that God has. Verse uh, go to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 21. Revelation 3:21 says to him that overcometh already solidified who that was. Will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and then sat down with my father in his throne. Do you, do you, get this? Do you hear what's happening right now? Are you guys with me? Are you on the same page as I am in Revelation here and, and reading what Jesus himself is saying to the people that overcome, to the ones that endure, to the ones that have hit the Holy Spirit within him, bought by Jesus' blood, overcome like he overcame what does he say i will grant to sit with me in my throne wow what i mean i don't know what i'm going to do there but what an what an honor what an honor that the god of heaven jesus himself says as heirs of god as sons of god as overcomers we're right next to him forever for all eternity, his presence is with us. We are hit. we are with him when he does whatever he does and will do for all eternity. You are going to be right there next to him the entire time. Is, is the sufferings of this present time starting to dwindle just a little bit? Or is it starting to lose its importance and its oomph in our life? So if that is the case, if now we are understand we are heirs of God, we are joint heirs with Jesus himself, and some of the things we inherit, I mean, we could go through so many more verses about all the things that we inherit, and we'll talk about a couple more here in a second. The, now that we understand where we stand, as far as eternity goes, what does that mean for suffering here on this earth? It doesn't change it. It doesn't go away. It doesn't take it away. It doesn't mean now you don't have to suffer anymore. Okay, but Matthew Henry wrote this statement, and I'm going to read it because I thought it was a really good statement. The question is, so what then of this suffering? in this present time. Sufferings of this present time strike no deeper than the things of time and last no longer than the present. So when you think about your suffering, I'm going to read it one more time, sufferings of this present time strike no deeper than the things of time and last no longer than the present. So the worst things that happen to us in this life, the worst sufferings we go through They only last as long as your time here does. And our time on this earth is like a vapor. I was making mac and cheese yesterday because the Velveeta kind, I made both actually, but the Velveeta kind is really good. Making mac and cheese on the stove and you get that, that water boiling and that steam comes off. And you see it. It's there. It's present. You can feel it. It's hot. It's wet. But as soon as it gets just yay high off the stove, it's gone. That's your life on this earth. It lasts as long as the steam from a boiling pot of macaroni. Yeah, I like that. Um, it doesn't last very long. It's very short compared to eternity. And so, when we understand the sufferings that are here that we deal with, they can't go any deeper than time. That's as far as they go. When the, the whether it's intentional suffering given to us or just life is hard, it can last no longer than time. And time for us is limited. And it can last no longer than our present. When our present is over, that suffering is over. When our time is over, that that suffering is over. And it's short compared to everything else. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. A moment of suffering versus eternal glory. So if you, I mean, a moment is like a dot on a page. And if you ever had those long printers that they all, the pages went together and folded on top of each other, you know, with the holes on the side. So if a moment is a dot on that, eternity is the entire ream of paper, except for it never ends. So when you look at your suffering as a moment in time, it makes it a little bit easier to get through it. It Makes it a little easier because it gives you perspective. And again, you don't have to just brute force your way through it because the Lord is there with you. And he loves you, and he wants to help you through that. And he wants to guide you. He wants to help you learn and grow through that dot on the page. But we have to let him. We have to want him to. We have to ask him to. He's not going to brute force his way into your heart. But he wants to be there, and he wants to help you through it. Amen. A moment of suffering versus eternal glory. 1 Corinthians 2.9 But as is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You might even have that verse memorized, but do you understand the scope of what that verse says? Think of all the amazing things on this earth that you've seen, that you've experienced, the awesome stuff. I'm taking my kids to Disney World next week. They've never been. Carter's, he's so excited, he can barely contain himself. Gemma, she's going to lose her mind, right? Six years old, and she's going to see all these Disney princesses. She's just going to, she's not going to speak English anymore. And if you've been to Disney World before, Again, I, we can you can have your opinion of Disney and all that. and I understand that, but try to understand the point I'm trying to make here. It's a magical place. It's a different world. And I, for those of you that have been there, and like I've been there before as a kid and as an adult, I tell my kids, you know, especially Carter and Madison. 15, he's almost 16 and 12. I'm like, you don't even understand what's what what you're about to see. Look, we've watched YouTube videos. No no no. nah. nah, 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 nah. <laughs> we've seen Disney Plus, and they got this stuff. And. Nah, nah, nah. When you walk in there, and you actually are there, and for Carter, sorry again, but when we walk and we see the Millennium Falcon, you're not, yes, I know, you're not, you, I, our brains can't comprehend like, the, the like, tears flowing down our eyes and the, just the joy, the pure bliss of something we love so much Mickey Mouse and Star Wars. And this is, these are things that man has made, these are things that in 100 years will be turned to dust. And when this earth burns with fire, it'll burn right along with it because it means nothing. It lasts no longer than time itself. It's temporary. And there's nothing wrong with fun. There's nothing wrong with liking things at all. But we look at that as humans. We're like, oh, we get those butterflies in your stomach. You get excited. or Whatever it is for you. And you're like, oh, I can't. It's just so exciting. I can't wait to get there. And it's just like ah, overload. But the Bible says, I hath not seen nor ear heard Neither has even entered into the heart of man. You can't even imagine. Like you couldn't come up with a pretend concept of the things which God hath prepared for those that love him. Amen. Like do, I, we, we read that and we get it, but we don't get it. We don't get it. I mean, it, and I'm trying to give it an, an analogy of, of trying how to get it and it still falls so far short. Because we can't imagine. I couldn't know the most creative person in the world with the best imagination and the skills to make things happen couldn't build or make something as awesome as what God is preparing for us. That's what he's saying. The most creative human ever lived could never come up with something near to what he's got prepared for you. You, specifically, in heaven. Wow! Like, okay, so we're saved. We don't go have to go to hell. Uh, we're heirs and sons of God. We're part of the family. We're joint heirs with Jesus. We inherit all things, and you're making stuff for us that we can't even comprehend. Eternity is going to be pretty good for those that are saved. I mean, I don't think we really understand how eternity is going to be great. This life is going to be like, we're going to forget about it in a, in a moment. 1 John 3 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, there, again, God is going to be our God. He's we are gonna dwell among us. When he comes back, it doesn't appear what we're gonna be. We don't even know. We can't tell what we're gonna be, we can't tell what is in store for us, but we do know that when he does appear. We will see him. We, no one's seen Jesus here, right? Like no one's had, a, had pizza real late one night and thought they saw Jesus. No one here has seen Jesus. No one on this earth has seen Jesus. We don't know what he looks like. He doesn't look like what the pictures you see are. Most likely, probably, def, no, most definitely he doesn't look like that. We don't know what he looks like. But someday, when he does appear, we will know. You will see him because you'll be like him. Or we will have our glorified bodies. I won't need these anymore. Kayla won't need her cool little schooler, scooter anymore. Her foot will be fine, right? We, Man, you guys are really blurry. This is getting worse. Boy, I won't need those anymore. We won't need our medicines. We won't need things to help us get around our glorified bodies. will have perfect the way, perfect bodies the way God intended it for it to be. And we'll be like him, and we'll see him for who he is. That's what's coming. That's what our inheritance is. That's what our future is. There are good things on this earth. There are pleasant things on this earth. And they are sweet. They are precious. But what we have not even been revealed from behind the curtain is so much more outshine the best thing that's on this earth. So, as I finish, suffering in this life is real. It's hard. It's painful. And it can seem to last forever. You can seem like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. But now... And I know you knew this before now, probably, but now being reminded and knowing like Paul, sufferings are short and concern only the body, which is temporal. The worst suffering is short and only temporal and only concerns your flesh. Glory is rich and bountiful and concerns the soul, which is eternal. They're not even worthy, like verse 18 says in Romans 8, they're not even worthy to be compared to one another. So while we take sufferings on this earth, and it is our life, and we make it huge, and it is huge to us today, understanding what is coming, understanding your standing in God's family makes these big things that we have going in our life. It doesn't take them away. You still have to deal with it. Tomorrow, the problem you have, you still have to deal with it. But the perspective of knowing what that is compared to what's coming, it doesn't even make it worthy to be compared. I mean, that's a big statement from a guy who went through a lot of sufferings in Paul. He says the glory, and he didn't see it yet either. But he knew what God told him, the Holy Spirit inspired him to write that the things that are coming, you can't, don't even compare your worst, worst years to the good that is coming, to the heirs of God that you're going to be. So without salvation, right, as we wrap it up, without salvation, without the Lord, what Jesus had done washing away your sin, your suffering doesn't end with time. Your suffering doesn't end with the present. Without the Lord, without salvation, your suffering continues on through eternity. And it gets worse because you are separated from God forever. Without trusting in his work to save you from hell, that suffering continues and the suffering on this earth can't be compared to that suffering either, but in a negative way. So if you don't know today that you're on your way to heaven, if you've never had that moment in your life where you put your faith in Jesus to take you to heaven instead of what you're doing or what you're trying to do, but what he already did on the cross by shedding his blood for your sins and making that payment for, for your sin, if you've never put your trust in him for that, your suffering continues after life here on this earth. But it doesn't have to. You can accept him today and accept his work and be born into the family of God, just like everyone that is saved, become a joint heir with Christ today. Your, your, your future changes, your standing changes today. And for the Christian, what do you struggle with? You all do. What are, you, what are your sufferings and what are the things you struggle with? What are the sins that cause you to struggle in your life? Renew your faith in, in a God who prepares glory for you. Renew your faith in a God that has prepared for his heir, you, things you can't even imagine. Take your focus off the things that are on this earth. Deal with them. Be responsible. But put, and I'm not going to say put your faith in him because you already have, but remind yourself of who God is. Remind yourself of what God thinks of you. Remind yourself of what God is preparing for you. And take your eyes off the struggles and to maybe give the struggles to him. Give the sufferings to him and say, if you want to take them away, Lord, please do. But if not, like Paul said, help me to grow through them. Help me to become more like your son because of the sufferings I go through on this earth. Take a moment to reflect and be honest with yourself. But also understand the hope that is there. Wow. I mean, I went through it, and there are so many other places you could go that could encourage you in what God is preparing for you. You are important to God. You are an heir of his. He cares about you. He loves you. He cares about your life. He wants you to live for him. He wants you to deny yourself, live for him. That is the happy life here on this earth. And then the things that he has prepared for us when time is over, don't forget that. Don't let that pass from your mind. Remember that tomorrow when you go back to work. And you got to suffer through the guy that sits next to you. Remember what's coming. It's only temporary. It's only going to last for a moment. Stand with me, if you would, with your head bowed and your eyes closed. I'm just going to have a few verses of invitation. And I'll propose to you, if you don't know the Lord is your Savior, as I mentioned, this invitation is for you. Come to the saving knowledge of, of Him today. Don't walk away from here with suffering as your future. Please, please do not walk away with suffering as your future. Come and accept the Lord and become part of the family. Become part of joint heirs with Christ. And for you Christians, for us that are already saved, the tough times you're going through, I know you are. We all do. We all have things in our life that are difficult. Understand they are but for a moment. Understand God has got a much brighter future and eternity waiting for us that isn't even worthy to be compared to today. But I do know that doesn't take away the sufferings. So take a moment and give those to God. Renew your faith in him and and trust him to help you through those things. Don't try to do it on your own. Ask him to help you through it. And then if you've got something in your life, if you've got sin in your life, struggles in your life that may be preventing you from putting your faith in God because you're just trying to do it on your own, root those out. Get them out of your life. Live your life for him, not for self.